0: you have. Um, The two major areas this morning that we're going to be looking at are Ephesians chapter 2 and even more specifically Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and they're quite a long ways apart in your Bible or in your um, whatever you're carrying there today but hopefully um, everybody that is interested in following the scripture you'll have it there. So again, I want to say good morning, everyone, and welcome. This is the Family Gathering of Faith Community, and we're glad you're here today. Um, whether you've been attending church kind of your whole life, <laughs> I know uh, that question was asked last week, and, um, or maybe you're here and you're just testing the waters, um, and you're, you're not quite sure where you stand, which way you're going to go. Uh, I want you to know this to start our day. We are glad you are here. And for anybody that's here, uh, if we don't know your name yet or you, you haven't connected or maybe you're sitting here and somebody's connected with you but you haven't really connected with a whole lot of other people, well let's just give it a, a round of applause to everybody that's here today that needs to be connected. Okay? You might be applauding yourself and that's fine. We appreciate that, and we we like to applaud all of our new friends. Now, after last week's message, which Todd referenced a moment ago, uh, and a great message it was, a great morning, phenomenal spirit here, just an unbelievable spirit in this place, and and I thank God for that. He was was here to meet us, and uh, uh, I think it really gave a lot of us a recharge uh, going into the new year and then kind of bringing that together uh, with the Lord's Supper. What a way to start a new year. I want to remind you that church is not a place. Church is people. Church is not a place. Church is people. That's why I never say I'm going over to the church or I'll meet you at the church. Church isn't just something you attend. It's something you are. And if you've never had that explained to you before, I want you to let this take root this morning. Now, I want to go back and just talk a little bit about something that I know is one of your favorite subjects, the subject the subject of Christmas. I know it's only 16 days since Christmas, and some of you already have your Christmas decorations up for 2016. That's great. Um, because, you know, 50 weeks from today, from today, it's Christmas. So you want to be ready. But I, ha- I came across this little story, and I had to share it with you. If you could just indulge me for one more heartwarming story from the mouth of a busy young mother. And she says, My husband and I had been happily married, most of the time, for five years, but hadn't been blessed with a baby. I decided to do some serious praying and promise God that if he would give us a child, I would be a perfect mother. Love that child with all my heart and raise it it with his word as my guide. God answered my prayers and blessed us with a son. The next year, God blessed us with another son. The following year, he blessed us with yet another son. And the year after that, we were blessed with a daughter. My husband thought we'd been blessed right into poverty. (laughs) We now had four children, and the oldest was only four years old. I learned never to ask God for anything unless I meant it. As a minister once said to me, if you pray for rain, make sure you carry your umbrella. And so I began reading a few verses of the Bible to the children each day as they lay in their cribs. I was off to a good start. God had entrusted me with four children. I didn't want to disappoint him. I tried to be patient the day the children smashed two dozen eggs on the kitchen floor searching for baby chicks. (laughs) I tried to be understanding. When they started a hotel for homeless frogs in the spare bedroom, although it took me nearly two hours to catch all 23 frogs, when my daughter poured ketchup all over her body and then rolled up in a blanket to see how it felt to be a hot dog. I tried to see humor in that rather than the mess. In spite of changing over 25,000 diapers, never eating a hot meal, and never sleeping for more than 30 minutes at a time, I still thank God daily for my children. While I couldn't keep my promise to be a perfect mother, I didn't even come close, I did keep my promise to raise them in the Word of God. I knew I was missing the mark just a little when I told my daughter We are going to church to worship God. And she wanted to bring a bar of soap along to wash up Jesus too. I was afraid of this. Something, Something was lost in the translation when I explained that God gave us everlasting life and my son thought it was generous of God to give us his last wife. My proudest moment came during the children's Christmas pageant. And I think we've all kind of been there to one degree, uh, some degree or another. My daughter was was playing Mary. Two of my sons were shepherds. And my youngest son was a wise man. This is the moment to shine. My five-year-old shepherd had practiced his line. We found the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. We found the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. But he was nervous, and he said, The baby was wrapped in wrinkled clothes. My four-year-old Mary said, That's not wrinkled clothes, silly. That's dirty, rotten clothes. A wrestling match broke out between Mary and the shepherd. It was stopped by an angel who bent her halo and lost her left wing. I slouched a little lower in my seat when Mary dropped the doll representing baby Jesus and it bounced down the aisle, crying, Mama, Mama! (laughs) Mary grabbed the doll, wrapped it back up, held it tightly as the wise men arrived. Whew! My other son stepped forward, wearing a bathrobe and a paper crown, knelt at the manger, and announced, We are the three wise men. We are bringing gifts of gold, common sense, and fur. (laughs) The congregation dissolved into laughter and the pageant got a standing ovation. The pastor laughed and wiping tears, he said, I've never enjoyed a Christmas program as much as this one. For the rest of my life, I'll never hear the Christmas story without thinking of gold, common sense, and fur. The lady concludes by saying, my children are my pride and my joy and my greatest blessing. She said, as I sat there, And dug through my purse for an aspirin. (laughs) But here it is. Here it is. Jesus had no servants, but they called him master. Jesus had no degree, and they called him teacher. Jesus had no medicines, and they called him healer. Jesus had no army, but the kings of the earth feared him. Jesus had no military battles. He had no, no battles that he had won, yet he conquered the known world. Jesus had committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. My friends, feel honored this morning to serve such a leader who loves us with a perfect, eternal love you heard about the little boy who attended church for the very first time, and his parents asked him what he thought, and his reply was, well, the music was nice, but the commercial was too long. <laughs> I hope that the commercial won't be too long for you today, and I hope it speaks to whatever your need is, because as a church, we need to come together and claim our community for Christ, and let's do it now, and let's be ready for the blessings God wants to pour out on us in 2016. I just want to take a few minutes, if I could, uh, just a few minutes of your time to talk to you this morning about a subject that's really dear to my heart. I haven't touched on it for years and years, but I want to come back to it. It's a very simple topic. It's one we can all identify with. I put it in one word for you, and this is my message this morning, belonging. I wonder if we could pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for bringing us together this morning that we might hear it. And we pray in this fellowship and in this family this morning, we might be all ears. We might just hear what you have to say. And our hearts might be responsive and our spirits might be willing. And Lord, we might even think ahead to the great days that are coming, not just in this life, but beyond. And we think, Lord, of of what John saw and what he experienced and what he heard. And in the fifth chapter of Revelation, how... He heard the hosts of heaven, and we're going to join them someday in that great exclamation. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. This is the Savior. This is the Lamb. This is the Jesus whom we serve today, and we're honored, we're humbled, we're blessed We're just excited today about being able to serve him, live for him, and share him with others. Have your way in our hearts and in our lives this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone needs a place to belong. And when I say a place to belong, I mean a place that fits you. Sort of like a favorite pair of jeans. You know, they're your favorite because they fit you and you like the feel of them. Or a place that's as welcoming as your much loved, much worn recliner at home. You know, that's the way we're made. Not to be isolated, not to be alone, but to be together, experiencing life with others. The person who says, I can do all you're doing, and I can do it just as well, probably even better than you do, and I don't need the church uh, experience, and I don't need other people in my life, and I don't need the fellowship and all the rest of it. They have some great reasons to say that, and they have a great line of reasoning and of debate with you. The only problem is from start, A- From A right through Z, they are dead wrong. And I'm going to show you why this morning. Vance Packard calls America a nation of strangers. Studies show that 4 out of 10 people experience feelings of intense loneliness, even if they're in a crowd. Our American culture produces people who are more more closely identified with characters on a weekly TV series than with their next-door neighbors. Everywhere you look, there are signs that people are hungering for fellowship, for community, for a sense of family, for a sense of belonging. It's like that sweet little old lady who waited in line at the post office to buy two stamps Every week she went into the same post office. Every week she came up to the counter. Every week she bought two postage stamps. One day she got to the counter, the postal worker said, you know, ma'am, you don't have to wait in line to buy stamps. You can get them um, from the machine right over there in the corner, and you can get them in books of 20. And a little old lady looked up at him and said, yes, sir, but the machine doesn't ask about my arthritis. People long to be connected. The Bible uses a lot of metaphors to describe the church, but the most persistent one is that of family. In the New Testament, believers are called brothers and sisters. And in the letter to to the church of Ephesus, Paul writes in Ephesians two nineteen. Now you are not foreigners, you are not strangers any longer, but you are citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a chair in this big room that's worn in the shape of your bottom. Maybe you are as comfortable in your church family as you are in your favorite PJs. On the other hand, maybe you've never felt like you really belong somewhere. Maybe you've never known the blessing of being part of something as big as the family of God. Either way, I'd like to share with you something that Solomon once wrote about the benefits of belonging. And I'm going now to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting at verse 9, if I can read a few verses with you. Two are better than one. This is the wise man. Because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And if you don't understand that last terminology in verse twelve of Ecclesiastes four, if you're still with me, um Take take a skein of yarn sometime and pull out one strand and just yank on it a bit. Take about four or five feet and just yank on it. And if you've got any kind of strength at all, it'll probably break. Then I want you to take the same skein of yarn and I want to take three strands out. And I want you to uh, uh, braid them, just kind of of bring them together and make another four or five foot long cord. And then I, I defy you to try to break it. Uh, You may be able to, and it may take you a little while, but you're not going to just go snap like you would the one strand. And the three strands you probably are not going to break unless it's very, very, very weak or light uh, kind of yarn. That's exactly what Solomon is saying there, that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In his unparalleled wisdom, King Solomon said this, two people are better than one. And then he goes on to describe the benefits of belonging. That's what I want to talk about. What are the benefits of belonging? Well, the very first one is strength. Belonging to a church family provides you strength that you don't have on your own. Let me read that verse again, verse 9 from Ecclesiastes 4. And I'm going to read from a different version, the New Century version. And it says this. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. I like that. Solomon had discovered a principle And he's building a whole kingdom here. A principle that holds true for every epoch of time. And it's this. None of us can do alone what all of us can do together. There is strength in numbers. It was uh, one of my favorites, of course. It was an old Peanuts cartoon. And Lucy walks... Into the room and demanded that her brother Linus change TV channels. What makes you think you can walk in here, right in here, and take over? asked Linus. These five fingers, said Lucy. See, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they become a force to be reckoned with. What channel do you want? Asked Linus. (laughs) Turning away, he looked at his own fingers and he said, now, why can't you guys get organized like that? (laughs) Phenomenal illustration. That's the power of teamwork. That's the power of teamwork. I don't know what it's like at other churches. That's not really my responsibility. But at faith community, it does seem like there are often not enough volunteers to go around. And every time we seem to put out a little bit of information on that, I hesitate to call it a plea because we don't want to plead with you or, or just pop you into a spot and say, there, be happy. But I keep thinking this thought. None of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. And I know somebody's sitting here now and say, yes, you're absolutely or right. That is true. I'm going to write that down, put it on a mirror, or put it on a wall of my house. You're absolutely true. All of us can do something. And then in the bracket, right beside all, you've written this, except me. I can't do anything. I'm just sitting here. I'm not, I can't, what could I do? How could I be involved? How could I contribute? Those who can do And those who can do more, volunteer. I often go back in my mind to the Jerusalem church. Some of you remember the AD series from last year. Well, I go back to the Jerusalem church in, the, in that first century. You read it in the book of Acts yourself. It was, that, that early church was such a hodgepodge of people. Believers in Christ, yes, all of them, different backgrounds, different personalities, different theological perspectives, sometimes very much conflicting opinions, who said we couldn't disagree on things, we can disagree without being disagreeable, yet they found a way to do it and to do it together. Here's what they understood, That I call them that group of of just ragtags. They understood that numbers count. They understood there was strength in working together. And because they did, lives were changed. I'm going to make this bold statement. History was changed forever. The world has never been the same since the actions of the early Jerusalem church. And as we follow their example, the same will happen, my friend. I think sometimes we limit God. I think sometimes our God is too small. I think sometimes we just think it's all dependent on us and we don't know what to do next and so on. Look, all we have to do, we don't have to tell God how to do his business. All we have to do is salute and sign up for service and say, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, I'm willing. Here I am, Lord. I'm giving it all to you. Here I am, Lord. I don't know what's going to happen or what the end results are going to be, but I'm yours. And the greatest ava- ability is availability. Now, whether you want to feed the hungry, great. Whether you want to house the homeless, as good, if not better. Whether you want to get on a missions team, praise the Lord. Whether you want to clean up your community, whether you want to share the gospel, listen, none of us, not one person in this room can do it all alone. But what all of us can do is work together to meet those goals. See, belonging to God's family provides us with the strength to get more done by working together. So the first benefit of belonging is strength that you and I don't have on our own. And the second benefit of belonging is support. Who doesn't want that? Belonging to a church family provides support. And by the way, I'm not talking this morning specifically about membership. We had that message, and what a wonderful message it was last week. And if you haven't heard it, you need to. If you're even remotely interested, or maybe you're not interested at all, but I think it would speak to your heart um, to hear it. I'm talking about belonging. Again, let's go to King Solomon. Here's how he put it in the Good News Translation. In in, uh, Ecclesiastes 4, I'm I'm reading 9 and 10. Two are better off than one because if one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad because there's no one to help him up. I want to do a little survey here this morning, if I could, if if you would help me. Um, How many of you have been around faith community for, let's say, six months or less. Six months or fewer. Just put your hand up so I can see it, and I can't see too much with the, your lights off and mine in the face here. Okay? So what, you, why did you come back? I mean, we only wanted to see you once. We don't expect people to come and try this twice. We figure if we can't run them off one Sunday, I mean... Two is just going to destroy them. No, but why? Did, why what was it? Anybody? Welcoming. Huh? Welcoming. 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 Anybody else? What? What? What brought you back? What? What did you think? What was your first impression? Anybody? Just messages. messages. The word. Anyone else? Okay, um, how many of you, I'll go, to the, I'll go to the veterans here, how many of you over six months, but not more than a year, say in the last year, you found us? Anybody? I'm not seeing all the hands or any of the hands. What brought you? Why'd you come back? Huh? Sense of belonging. I've heard that word before. Say what? A year today, isn't it? Or a year this week? We're, it's so good to have you and your, your family. Um, welcoming. Word. Belonging. Uh, I, I hesitate to go here. But say in the last, over a year, but not over three years, who's here. Okay? Just holler it out, because I don't see all the hands. What, what, what would bring you back, or what brought you here, or what did you find? Faith community to be. This is self-introspection here. So, sense of family and no judgment. Sense of family, no judgment. How many else have found that at faith community? Okay, the rest of you, we judge you. So, <laughs> keep your hand down because we want to keep judging. It's really comfortable. Anyone else? Anybody over here? I didn't see the hand. So, anybody in the center section that I didn't hear from, just blurt it out. You don't have to. Sincerity. Sincerity. Okay. Anyone else? Encouragement? That's a good word, isn't it? You're an encouragement to us. That's great. Okay, and then the old timers, they're here because they have to be, or the husband said we're going, or the father said you have no choice. But uh, more than three years, or more than five years, or whatever, uh, what brings you back? What, what, why are you excited now about the fact that we're in 2016? It's going to be the greatest year yet? Anybody? Just blurt it out. Because all these others are here. Because all the others are here. Sense of belonging. My mother. <laughs> she made you come? <laughs> Some Sunday I dare you to say, no, you go. I'm not going. I don't like that place. I the joy, in my spirit. joy in the spirit. Relationships. Relationships. <laughs> my calling. Calling. Anybody else? What is it about 2016 that's got you it up, ready to go, and you're glad that you're here and you're part of this. Why do you come? Taking, a, I have to, they pay me. <laughs> <laughs> you. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, she's doing the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 42 years, and I have no choice. I have to go to church. No, 42 years of doing this. yeah, Yeah. Oh, yeah, I haven't forgotten, honey. I got 10 more days. I mean, I don't have to be remembering yet. Okay, let's get serious. That's no fun. Let me ask you this question. Do you know what it's like to get knocked down? Of course you do. We all have troubles, don't we? Reminds me of an army chaplain who had a sign on his door. And here's what the sign said. If you have troubles, come in and tell me about them. If you don't uh, have troubles, come in and tell me how you did it. Are there any Calvin and Hobbes fans here? I know that's kind of an old-timer, but um, Calvin gets dressed up in his special clothes for school one day, he goes to school, all of his special clothes on. He sits on some bubble gum and gets beat up by a bully, fails a test, and gets completely rained on on the way home. At bedtime, he says, you know, Hobbs, some days even my lucky rocket ship underpants don't help. Hmm. <laughs> How many have had days like that? Turn around. I'm going to ask that again. And you turn around and see the people that don't put their hand up. Because you need to get to them before they get out of this building. <laughs> How many have had days like that? Yeah. Yeah. You know why we have days like that? No, it's real simple. And, I, and, and only I would probably pick up on this. Because G- Jesus promised that we would. He wasn't mincing words. He said, In this world, you will have trouble. Would he lie? Did he know what it was, he was talking about? Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's not all he said. That's not all he said that was captured in that verse. He said, But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. You know what? Jesus is all about helping people up, isn't he? Yeah. I'll give you a couple of examples. When Peter tried walking on water, say, well, that didn't work too well. Well, don't know. It took a step or two more than you've done. <laughs> I'll tell you something else he had faith to do. Get over the side of the boat. Most of us are just Peter and on the side of the boat, but we're not going to step in that water, no. And then we criticize Peter. Come on, people. When Peter walked on water, he ended up sinking like a rock, and there was a good reason for that. Jesus simply reached out, took him by the hand, helped him back to the boat. There was no condemnation. There was no, oh, Peter, you dummy, what are you? Peter said, I think it's the Lord. Is that you, Lord? Lord? Prove it. Prove that that's you, Lord. Come to us on the water, and I'll walk to you. And Jesus said, have at it, Peter. No condemnation, no judgment. No, what are you doing? No, oh, you're such a dummy, Peter. What did you think was going to happen? No, he just took him by the arm and picked him up and help them get back on that boat. When a woman was caught in adultery and she was publicly humiliated for it and she was as if she were down in the dirt as far as you could go, Jesus could have thrown the first stone. He could have kicked her while she was down. Instead, what did he do? He reached out his hand and he lifted her up And he said, I'm giving you a brand new start. (laughs) That's such an encouraging story. Folks, that's what we're supposed to do for one another. And I know the old adage is still true that there's no army in the world like the Christian army for shooting their own and for kicking people when they're down and in the ditch. And we've got to rise above that and be much stronger people in the Word of God. Now, the Bible says this in Galatians 6, 2. Help to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you are following Christ's teachings. That's pretty... That that needs no amplification. We all have burdens to bear. We all have bad days to endure. You've had some bad days. You've had a bad week. You're having a bad month. Some days, you're even wearing your lucky underpants, and it don't help. Having a church family that cares about you and is willing to lift you up and is willing to listen to you and is willing to accept you and not uh, criticize you or not judge you whenever you fall down, that will help you keep moving on. That's about belonging to God's family, and it provides us with the strength to get more done, and it gives us the support we need to get through those troubled times. As I said, we all have them, and we're all going to have them. Now, there's a third benefit to belonging. I want to share this with you because I think it's so important, and that's spiritual warmth. Belonging to a church family provides spiritual warmth. Let's hear, I'm going back to Solomon again, because this man of wisdom speaks it well, and he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 to 11, it's the new uh, living translation I'm reading from, two people are better off than one, for two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Now, what, was, what this was, uh, let me just give you the background. This is practical advice for a nomadic people living in tents in the desert. It also serves as a spiritual metaphor. You don't have to live in a tent in the tundra to feel cold and alone. Look, any time one of God's children gets separated from the family, our fire starts to go out just a little and the spirits start to grow cold. And again, here's what the Bible says, the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 10 24 and 5, oft-quoted verses and then oft-misquoted. And let us consider how to stir up one another to have love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. One of the most important reasons the church as we know it and this family and fellowship of believers meets together every week is to stir each other up. And that's it, and that's my goal this morning. Is that when you go out of here, you're going to be stirred up? <laughs> Stories told of a pastor who went to visit a man who had absented himself for a great time from church and activities at church and being around people and just yeah. And I know many many people who've gotten very turned off, very cold, very hardened, very just hurt. I don't know this man's, all of his background, but he just didn't want anything more to be done. When the pastor arrived at the house, he found the man sitting by a fire, glowing coals in the fire. The man fully expected the pastor to start rebuking him for his absences. But instead, the pastor drew up a chair alongside the fireplace where the man was sitting, and he just kept peering into the fire, just kept looking, saying nothing. After several minutes, he took the tongs, the, fire, uh, the uh, pastor did, and he reached into the fire and he took one of the red hot glowing coals and he placed it by itself on the hearth. Well, in no time, the coal began to lose its glow and in a few minutes it was cold and black. Still no words were spoken. The man looked up into the face of his pastor who hadn't said one word. And he said, I'll be there on Sunday. He clearly understood what Solomon was saying. He got it. Look, that warmth that you feel inside your chest as you worship together here week after week, that's your coals being stirred. That's your passion for Jesus. You say, well, I love that fellowship. I love that church I go to. I love the... You know what you love? You love Jesus, and you have a passion for Jesus, and we want to keep bringing that before you every opportunity we have. And those coals get stirred, and you have a deeper love for God. And then you have, after a deeper love for God, a deeper love for people, and those coals get rekindled and refired. You see, when you first gave your heart to Jesus, unashamedly, he lit a fire in your soul. And belonging to a family that you worship with and fellowship with fans those flames and keeps you spiritually warm. And I'm going to just do a little aside here for the sake of maybe some people that need this. You need belonging, especially if you tend to be a chronically unhappy person. Uh, When I say chronically unhappy, I'm 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 not condemning anyone. I'm just saying some people seem to bounce back and forth between happiness and unhappiness, listen, depending on the day or depending on the circumstances or depending on who treated them this way or that way. Throughout the years, I've learned a few things. Not many, mind you, but one or two. That chronically unhappy people seem to have mastered some things, and I want to dive into this just for a moment. But before I do, can I say this one more time? We all have bad days. We all have bad days. Sometimes even bad weeks. Huh? Or we've got ourselves built up to do this, this, or this, or have this, this, or this, and none of it takes place, and, and, and we just feel like we've fallen down in so many areas. See, the difference between a happy and an unhappy life is how often and how long you stay there. That's the difference. So here's how to tell if you are a chronically unhappy person. Several ways, so choose one or seven, I don't care, but you may want to put yourself in here if you really need belonging and you really need the spiritual warmth. First way to know if you're chronically unhappy is your default belief is that life is hard. See, happy people know life can be hard and, and they tend to, to ba- bounce through those hard times and they have a sense uh, or an attitude of curiosity versus victimhood. See, things are going bad. I wonder why. Our things are going bad, man. I'm just a victim. The world's against me. I'm going to eat worms and die. See, perseverance towards problem-solving versus complaining about circumstances. If you would complain about circumstances less and persevere towards solving the problem or problems, you'd be a much happier person. Unhappy people are themselves, you know, they see themselves as victims of life. And they stay stuck in this, look what happened to me, attitude. Versus finding a way out and getting to the other side. The second thing is, you believe most people can't be trusted. See, happy people believe in the good in people versus assuming everybody's out to get them. Unhappy people are distrustful of most people they meet and assume that strangers can't be trusted. No matter what, unfortunately, this behavior slowly starts to close the door on any connection outside of an inner circle and thwarts all chances of meeting new people or new friends. Third thing, am I chronically unhappy? Well, do you concentrate on what's wrong in the world versus what's right? There's plenty wrong in the world. No argument. Fourth thing, is you compare yourself to others and so you harbor jealousy. See, unhappy people believe that someone else's good fortune Steals from them. That person's fortunate because it cost me. Happy people believe they they carry a unique blueprint. And it can't be stolen. It can't be duplicated by anyone else on the planet. And they believe in unlimited possibilities. And they don't get bogged down by thinking one person's good fortune limits their possible outcome in this life. Are you a chronically negative person? I don't know. Do you strive to control your own life? Happy people take steps daily to achieve their goals, but they realize in the end there's very little control they have over what life will throw at them. Unhappy people tend to micromanage in effort to control all outcomes and fall apart in dramatic display when life throws a wrench in their plans. Are you a chronically unhappy person? I don't know. Do you consider your future with worry and fear? There's only so much rent space between your ears. Unhappy people fill their thoughts with what could go wrong versus what might be right. Happy people experience love. Happy people experience fear. Yeah, they do, yeah. And worry, they do, yeah. But they make an important distinction between feeling it and living it. You say, well, I'm fearful and I'm worried. Well, that's what you feel, but you don't have to live that 24-7. And I'll just give you one last thing. Because if you are a chronically unhappy person, then you need belonging. And I'll just add one more thing. Do you fill your conversations with gossip and complaining. See, unhappy people love to live in the past. What happened to them? I mean, that's what they do first thing every morning. They just get up, hop in a car, put it in reverse. Oh yeah. They're living life in the rearview mirror. Well, you know what happened to me? Now, when did that happen? Uh, 34 years ago, really. Oh, that's tough stuff right there. And you never dealt with it. Oh, no, I'm a victim. No, it's not me, it's him. It's not me, it's her. Do you know what they said? Do you know what he did? What's happened to them? Everything that's happened to me has not necessarily become my life's hardships. I don't have to major on those details. I don't have to stay stuck there. Because those kind of people that do, when they run out of things to say, then they turn to other people's lives. And they can't stop talking about that, because they're experts. Happy people live in the now, and they dream about the future. And none of us are perfect. Can I say that again? None of you. (laughs) I just check in. Some of you look a little sleepy. The heat, we're having a hard time controlling, and it's beat you, and you've got three layers on, and no wonder you're sleeping. You probably ate a great big breakfast full of all that junk. Drink lemon water. It's better for you. It'll keep you awake. None of us is perfect. You get that? And it's pretty obvious. We're all going to swim in negative water sometime. I know that. But what matters is how long you stay in that water and how quickly you work to get yourself out. Practicing positive habits is what sets happy people apart from unhappy people. Just not doing it. You say, yeah, well, if I could get this in line and this in line and this in line and this in line, then everything would be perfect. That's not your goal is to have everything perfect because guess what? When you get that all lined up, everything's not going to be perfect because you're still in the picture. Hello? I lost you there, didn't I? When you get it all down perfectly, it's not going to be perfect because you're still in the picture. I'm still in the picture. Is that right or wrong? That's That's right. So what should be, if you're that negative, unhappy person, what should be your marching orders? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I have the marching orders direct from on high. Walk, fall down, get up again. Walk, fall down, and get up again. Walk, fall down, and get up again. Walk and fall down, and get up again. When I was younger, I would do all those things on the platform make myself look like a total fool. But uh, you can just imagine it. and You know I'm a fool anyway. So walk, fall down, and get up again. What are we going to do? We're going to walk and fall down. And then what? Get up again. And then after that, we're going to walk. Yeah. And then what's going to happen? We're going to fall down. And then what's going to happen? We're going to get up again. And we're going to keep going. That's the difference. That's the difference between happy living and unhappy living. By the way, all the difference resides in the getting back up again. That's where all the difference resides. All the more reason to say everybody needs a place. Huh? where they belong, where people smile when you arrive. Don't you like that? Someone said, I came in here and it was welcoming. I've had a lot of people say, I showed three people, two weeks ago, I showed three different people, uh, not all the way through the building, one I did, but uh, the other one, we had a meeting and they were coming in, they'd never been on the property before, and they came in there at different times, it was interesting that morning, and each one of them, when they walked through the door out there, and this was like a Monday or Tuesday, I don't know, someday during the week. Nothing going on in here, nobody else in here, and uh, it was quiet, and it was kind of just, you know, without you, it's dead. No, it is, and uh, they walked through the door out there, got out of the car, came in, walked through the door. Each one of them said one word. They said one word. Wow. <laughs> Second one came in. Good morning. Wow. Third one came in. Hey, it's good to see you. Good morning. How you doing? Wow! It's welcoming even without you here. <laughs> you want to go somewhere where people smile when you arrive, right? And they say, hey, we'll, 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 we'll catch you again. Have a great week when you leave, right? Right? Some of you, your family's far away, your loved ones don't live near, or they live too near, or whatever, and, and maybe you're feeling alone, and maybe you could just use a, a, a new friend or two, or maybe you, some of you could use a friend. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away, sometimes you want to go where what? Everybody, everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You're dating yourself now. You, <laughs> you want to be where you can see our, listen to this, this is part of the song. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Be glad there's one place in the world where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to go where people know people are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Hey, here's to you. Cheers! You can laugh until you die at me. I still think that would make a terrific theme song for our church or any church. I love the lilt to it. I love the buoyancy to it. I love the lyrics. There's not, a, a, there's not one offensive thing in there, not one. And if there were, I could overlook it. I love that song so well. Here's to you. no. <laughs> Isn't it too bad that the world and what it represents hmm, has that kind of thing as their theme song? hmm? Where, Where have we been? Where's the church been? Why aren't we singing that song? Why aren't we reflecting that attitude people people hear old man bob one time god doesn't just call us to believe he calls us to belong if you have a friend a loved one someone that's just turned off a church and they're going to spend their time hugging trees because that's where they meet god Just give them that one little sentence and walk away. God doesn't just call us to believe, He calls us to belong. Okay, now here's much proof. I don't like to give you these grandiose statements and not back them up. And here's my backup the entire Bible, the entire Bible, from kiver to kiver is the story of God building a family. Thank God I can be part of it. And it's a family who will support and will strengthen and will stir one another up to love and good works. How long? For all eternity. And he created you and you and you and you and you and me all to be, my friend, a part of it say, well, I don't need it. I don't. No, that, that's anti-biblical. That isn't even according to Scripture. All the Bible says is that we're called to more than believe. We're also called to belong. We're part of. Remember we used to sing that song years ago, 30 years ago? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod My, oh my, oh my. Wow. Wow. Now, here this morning is your opportunity. If you're a believer in need of a place to belong, please talk to one of your neighbors near you this morning and get connected with our church family in whatever way you can. If you've never joined in with God's family, I'd love to talk with you. And if you don't feel that you're part of God's family, We just want you to be part of that. That's all. And I want you to talk to me about being born again and what it really means and how life-changing it can be. Believe me, there's nothing like belonging to the forever family. Nothing like it. So in a moment or two, I'm going to ask you, we're going to play a song, If there's any way I can help you find a place to belong or a reason to belong or a door to enter, if you will, while that song's playing, I'm going to stand here somewhere to the side and I want you to come and talk to me and tell me what you need if I can help you find a place to belong. You say, well, I I don't think or I don't feel like or or I know I'm not a member of the family of God, but I really want to be. And I really want to accept Jesus. And I really want to come to faith in Him. And I really want to see God work in my life. You would make my day, my week, and my year sharing that with me. If you will say, listen, everybody listen. If you will say, (coughs) Bob, I'm all about belonging. I'm with you. I am with you. I know what you're saying this morning. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? while that song's playing it's the same song we played last week during the communion service and it was really wonderful i'm going to ask you to stand either right where you are you can come up to the front you can stand out in the nearest aisle and by standing you're saying bob i'm with you i'm all about belonging now look if you're uncomfortable don't do it stay where you are i'm not trying to I'm not trying to pinpoint anybody. I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, you do that. If you will say in your heart, you know what? I'm going to be about helping others. There are people within FCF who need to know the importance of belonging. And I'm going to stand with you, Bob, because I'm going to do my part. Then you stand right where you are, or you get into a nearest aisle, or you come to the front and stand with those that are standing. Because I believe many are going to. I just believe that God has put this on my heart to do today. And or, or you may be the one who's saying, I'm going to make it a priority to, to absolutely invite someone who's not here this morning, someone who isn't even hearing this, to come and experience this wonderful feeling and this sense of belonging then I want you to stand right where you are, or in the nearest aisle, or come to the front here and stand. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than that. But just in that kind of movement, just in your action, you're saying to me, you're saying to God, you're saying to brothers and sisters all over this congregation, I believe in belonging. I support this whole idea. Now, if you're unable to stand, you can just raise your hand. If you're unable to move out of your spot or into an aisle or to the front, just raise your hand. Uh, It's not about who I see and it's not about how many people respond and it's not about... It's about giving everybody in here an opportunity to say yes to whatever God is calling them to do. If God's not calling you to do something, please don't do it because somebody else does it. Please don't walk up here because your friend does it or your parent does it or some other person does it? That's not, that's not what I'm talking about at all. You say, well, I've never been in a church where they did anything like that. Welcome to faith community. Uh, this is not something we do on a regular basis either, but it's something we do once in a while as the Spirit of God leads us. And that's exactly where I think we are this morning, under the leading of God's Spirit. So we're going to play the song. I'm going to step to the side. I've given you at least four good challenges and an invitation we to respond. We